Praise the Lord. We do welcome you this morning to High Point Church. What a privilege it is to have you with us here today. I hope you will, for a few moments today, give me your undivided attention. I come to this pulpit with a message for this congregation from the Lord. I don't say, say that lightly. We sang a chorus a little while ago. It says, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. How many of you recognize today that we need him? We need him to perceive and receive his word. We need him in every aspect and every arena of our life. Amen. There's a familiar passage in Proverbs. In just a moment, I'll read if you'll just remain where you are for a second or two. Very familiar passage that most of us have heard at one time or another in our life that says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. How many remember that? I invite your attention this morning to the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I'd like to read in your hearing. Probably one of the few times you'll see me or hear me take a text from the book of Habakkuk. Don't want to try to say that too many times real fast. It's a tongue twister. The word of the Lord says, I will stand by watch and set myself upon the rampart. Rampart means tower. And watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Everybody say that with me. But the just shall live by his faith. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Precious Savior, our Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you for your presence. Thanking you for your goodness and your mercy that you have so graciously and wondrously bestowed upon us. Thank you for each one that's here today to come out and to share as we lift up your name in praise and worship. Lord, I pray that as we come to this portion of the service this morning, the preaching of your word, that you will continue to anoint and bless and you will help us to receive and hear what you have for us today. And as Lord, we'll always give you the praise and thanks for it all. It is in the name of Jesus that I do ask it. And everyone said amen. amen. I want to address this message to you this morning in the form of a question. Do you have a vision? Look at someone close by and ask them, do you have a vision? You may be seated. 
the book of Lamentations of Jeremiah, chapter 2 and verse 9, in Jeremiah prophesying to Israel, he made this statement. He said, Her gates are sunk into the ground. He hath destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. Her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. What a tragedy it was for Israel to find herself in that predicament. But then we find Isaiah made this statement and made it all, and this just turned things completely around when he said in the 66th chapter, verses 7 through 9, he asked this question, who has heard such a thing? He said, who has seen such a thing? He said, shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? He's asking a series of questions. For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. He continued on, shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says your God? With that being said, when I joined the staff here at High Point Church as your pastor nearly four years ago, I came before the staff and the church body and I presented my vision for High Point Church. How many of y'all remember that? Albeit it was very aggressive. It's still very aggressive. A vision which has this church as a worldwide mega ministry reaching thousands with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. I stand on that yet today. A vision which I believe can and will be a reality. Go like this. I have on a yearly basis come before this church and renewed my vision by sharing it with you again down through these past four years. In hopes that by sharing my vision for High Point Church with this church staff and congregation, you too would catch the wave of God's Spirit moving and working in this new era of revival and adopt the vision as well. So with that being said, the message that I have for you today is wrapped up in this one simple question. Do you have a vision? Have I somehow, in some way, remotely, got the message across and the point across that God really does have a purpose and a destiny for this church and for this congregation. You see, I understand through medical research that in the early stages of pregnancy that a baby is easier to lose at that time greater than any other throughout the process of pregnancy. And I am of the opinion the same applies to our God-given vision. We need to protect it. And if we don't, we'll lose it in the early stages of its conception. Amen. Let me clarify something right here in the beginning of this message. I don't want you to go away from here today uh, with the wrong impression. When I refer to a vision, I'm not referring to some off-the-wall dream or vision that you may have encountered as a result of something you ate or by drinking too much caffeine. I'm talking about seeing High Point Church and the ministries of this church more and far expanded above and beyond what they are today. 
I'm talking about a vision that propels this ministry out of this church to heights it has never known before. Can you say amen? I'm referring to a God-given vision, a vision in which you through the Holy Spirit see what this church can be if we allow God to do what He wants to do. Amen. Hoping that you see there is more than what we have now. Not to say that what we don't have isn't good and it's a wonderful thing, but there's more for us to experience through God's Holy Spirit working and moving through us. It's important to note, the enemy attempted to destroy Moses and Jesus before they ever reached their second birthday. Why do you suppose that was the case? What was so important about them being destroyed prior to them being two years of age? Because the enemy feared their future. And he fears our future as well. He doesn't want us changing and affecting the lives of men and women throughout this community. Amen. He doesn't want us reaching the lost with the reality and the truth that Jesus still saves today and He transforms lives today. Amen. He doesn't want that getting out there. He feared their future and He fears ours as well. Furthermore, when the prospect, prospective mother is not showing, she has to go on the word of her position. Think about that for just a moment. I think you're getting the idea. She simply has to go on the word of her physician. When the prospective mother's doctor says, you don't do this, you don't drink, you don't eat certain foods, on and on and on, he's thinking about the child's future. Although the expectant mother may think, but wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute, other women are doing this. They can drink what they want and say, well, do it. I mean, really? Why can't I? Others are not carrying within them what the expectant mother is. Amen? So you see, the call to give birth to a vision means daring to be different and even daring to be radical. You must bear in mind that when Jesus stepped on the scene, well, first of all, there was John the Baptist, which was radical enough. Then when Jesus stepped on the scene and began to minister, it had gone from radical to extreme radical, according to the standards of the religious movements of that day. Amen? So sometimes it means disconnecting from relationships that can hurt you staying out of certain places and reordering your priorities according to our God-given destiny. We have, my friends, a God-given destiny. We're not just here to occupy space and time or to just take up time on a Sunday morning to say that we have come together and we have been involved in church, but we have a God-given destiny. It's not a popular consent. If you think fulfilling a God-given vision is easy, you need to stop for a moment and check the price tag. Much like childbirth, it's hard. How many of you women wanted it gave birth want to stand up and tell me it was easy? I didn't think so. 
How many of you husbands that was in the delivery room want to stand up and tell me it was easy? I didn't think so either. It's lonely. It's sleepless. It's appetite changing. It's schedule altering to give birth. It's the same with giving birth to a vision. To a movement of God, it involves pain. It leaves stretch marks. I know you women all like that. So before you give lip service to or you play around with God's purpose for your life, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I really ready to carry this thing full term? You see, God-given visions aren't for the immature or the impatient or the faint of heart. They don't come easy. And you can't downsize them when you think things are getting a little tough. Amen. Am I getting the point across? And please understand this in the spirit in which it's intended. I'm not scolding anybody. I'm just telling you, friend, we stand on the threshold of the greatest thing this community has ever known for the glory of God. We can't let it slip away. We can't let it slip away. Sometimes they're tough. As you may recall, back in biblical times, there was a gal there by the name of Esther. How many of you have ever read the book of Esther? If I don't light your fire, your wood's soaking wet. Esther's vision meant putting her life on the line. After Mordecai sent to Esther this message, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Did you think today that the individuals and the congregation that God is in the process of gathering together here, could it just not be that He has brought us together for such a time as this? You see, I am of the opinion and I believe, and I'll move on here just momentarily, that nothing happens when it's related to God by happenstance. God is working things and He's bringing things together in such a way so that it will best suit and glorify His name and His kingdom. Amen. So Esther responded to God's vision. God had a plan for deliverance for those people in this particular era of time. She said, okay, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for these days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go in to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Y'all remember the story. If she went into the king without an invitation and he did not hold out that golden scepter to receive her, it didn't make any difference what her last name was. Did she perish? Well, no, we know the story. She didn't perish. But she was willing to. 
So I must ask, are you and I willing to give everything we have and are for the vision God has for His people? You've heard me say this before. Listen, in my notes, I'm just going to inject it. This church, the glorious church, came in with a glorious shout. It started out a glorious church. It's going to end that way. One thing I have noticed, though, over the years in ministry, for those of you who don't know me very well, I didn't start out yesterday. I've been around this for a while. You know, it's hard to tell with all the dark hair and everything that I'm, I'm not a youngster. <laughs> I, I have noticed over the years in ministry that many people wear themselves out trying to fulfill a vision God didn't give them. What a tragedy. They spent a lifetime trying to fulfill a vision God never gave to them. So the question then remains... Where did their vision come from? Well, here's some possible answers, and you can just take them for whatever they're worth. Could it be that perhaps the most dominant influences in their life gave them what they thought was a vision from God? Could it be that their unresolved issues or their need to prove something to someone? Or could it be that their unresolved issues trying to win a parent's love or to demonstrate that they are as talented as their brother or their sister or their peer? In some cases, the pastor of a bigger church across town. Abraham, the friend of God, learned this lesson the hard way. God promised Abraham a son. A son by promise, by faith. Y'all remember the story. Now, he wasn't a spring chicken anymore. Years were flying by. Hair was getting grayer. He wasn't moving around quite as agile as he once was. And recognizing the time was running out for him, becoming an old man, he took bad advice and ended up fathering Ishmael. Don't forget that name, Ishmael. We still have trouble with Ishmael today. And as a result, Isaac and Ishmael are still at war today. That's what's going on in the Middle East, if you don't know. Isaac and Ishmael still going at it. They're going at it strong. And the result, we must be careful. You see, all of our praying, our planning, our pushing won't turn the wrong road into the right road. Amen? Furthermore, God won't empower you to do what He put into somebody else's heart to do. How many of you think that maybe God has empowered us to do what we're going to do? God didn't promise to give you what He gave them. You see, we're unique. You're unique. Every one of us are unique. We can't afford to die copies. He's not looking for copies. So in His plan for our lives and for His church, 
we're unique. People who make this mistake end up with a sense of failure and frustration because they're constantly measuring themselves against somebody else's assignment. We can't do that. We can't measure ourselves by other churches. The fact of the matter is, if you're not graced to do it, you'll wear yourself out on everybody else trying. Amen. It's important that you identify the origin of your vision. I must tell you this. Even when you're Even when your or our vision is of God, we will experience disappointment. We'll experience discouragement. We'll experience delays. Amen. You see, the truth is, the greater our vision, the greater the attack that will come against us. But when we know deep down that our vision is of God, we'll be able to persevere through the hard times. And we'll have the assurance through the words of the psalmist, it's Psalms 138 and 8 from the New Living Translation. The Lord will work out His plans for my life. How many of you believe that? You see, when God gives you and I a vision, He also gives us the provision needed to fulfill it. And that, my friends, is what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. Giving us people and provision to fulfill the vision for Highland Church. And that is helping people throughout this community and this entire part of the country reach the high point of their walk with Christ. Amen. Amen. Oftentimes, He'll use something we already possess even though we don't know it or think it's not equal to the challenge. Amen. Picture this, out on the hillside, 5,000 folks had gathered to hear the ministry of Jesus. The day was wearing on, they become extremely hungry. The disciples were faced with feeding. I, I, can't, even, I can't even wrap my mind around what it might have been like to deal with 5,000 Hungry people. You mess with folks' food, they'll get vicious. Oh, yeah. They'll turn on you in a heartbeat. So here the disciples are with 5,000. They're tired, they're weary, they're hungry, they've been out there, and they're faced. Jesus said, feed them. What? You can't be serious. Yeah, feed them. Have them all sit down. The disciples felt so totally... How many of you feel sometimes in a situation... You look around and we have so much to do to even fill this sanctuary that we're currently in. And you look around sometimes you think, oh, we are so... And, and, and we're so totally inadequate. Oh, No. No, don't think that way. It's amazing what God can do with those of us here right now. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm this agent, I'm that agent, I've got... It doesn't matter. 
So the disciples look at Jesus with this poo, with this look on their face like, oh boy. He said, let me ask you something. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. Well, they didn't have enough food there to feed those folks. But he said, go look and see what you've got. Well, we just got a few loaves, man. You see, God will open your eyes to see what you already have or what is already within our reach. Amen? God could take those loaves. He stood there and he blessed that bread and he started breaking it off and those few meager loaves and fishes fed a crowd that would stagger your mind. And he can do the same with what he has right here to work with. He just needs to bless it and... Amen. When we recognize it, give it to Him, and He blesses it. And it will be more than enough. What we have right here is more than enough if we allow Him to bless it. The key to our success is found in the words, go and see. Go see what you've got. It's all I need, He said. Let me say this, and I'm going to say this very kindly. It's time we stop procrastinating. It's time we stop making excuses. It's time to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. It's time to stop talking down to yourself or being intimidated by those who say we don't have what it takes. I smile as I say that. It's time for you and I to listen to the voice of God. His Spirit has been speaking to us he has provided everything required to get us where we need to go. Amen? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now watch this. According to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. I stand here and recognize and confess to you right now that what we need to do and what God has for us, we can never do on our own volition of our own strength. I confess to you that what He wants to do, my friends, can only be done through the power that is invoked through the name of Jesus and the glorious presence and power of His Holy Spirit. I would not be so presumptuous to think that we as humans could do anything above and beyond what God has ordained and what He wants to do. But I will tell you this, He can do exceedingly abundantly above all anything that we can think or ask. And I have no problem standing here telling you that I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt and with every fiber of my being that God can take this handful of good people God-loving, God-fearing, God-ordained and anointed people that's in this place and turn this community upside down for the glory of God. I believe it. I believe it. I'll try to settle down here a little bit. 
want you to notice in there in that phrase, in that passage, the words above all. And according to the power that works in us. We need to look in the mirror and announce. How many of you ever had a conversation with yourself? There are some days that myself is the only person that will talk to me. I have a lot of days, but I'm the only one that will talk to me. My wife's a long way away, and I've made somebody mad. And, you know, so I have to carry on conversation with myself if I want to talk. And oftentimes that gets rough. That gets rough. <laughs> we need to look into the mirror, and we need to announce that we, by the power and grace of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit, have all the resources that we need to be what God has called us to be. Amen. God has given us everything we need to fulfill His plan for our lives and for His church. Amen. Now, this I'm not just up here trying to talk hype here. This is not hype. This is not pride. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm talking about it's faith speaking by the power of His Word. It's faith connecting with God. It's faith tapping into the resources needed to do what God has called you and I to do. Bishop Goldsberry has stood on this platform for many years and shared his vision, what he knew God showed him many years ago. We haven't arrived yet. We're not there yet. We have a ways to go. I stand before you today to encourage you. We can do it. I'm getting ready to close. But we need to give God the reins. You know what I'm talking about? I was raised with horses and, well, not with them, but around them. My mother some days would probably like to put me out in the barn with the horses, but that was beside the point. Hard to imagine the good boy that I would. <coughs> anyway, I grew up having horses around the farm all the time. I used to ride quarter horse races, barrel races, and they used to break quarter horses, and we had several teams on the farm. In fact, my dad still has a couple teams on the farm. And I've been kicked and been stamped, stomped on and bitten by horses. You, you name it, it's, it's happened over the years. But we have to come to a place where we give God the reins and say, here, there's a very powerful and interesting passage found in Proverbs I'd like to inject at this point. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not, 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 a, not a teeny bit, not, not a portion, but with all your heart, trust the Lord. And lean not to your own... This is this Right here is now where I get in trouble. I'm going to confess. Confession is good for the soul. Here it is. Boy, I have trouble with it. Leaning on my understanding. 
Because I'm one of these guys, I want to I wanna know where I'm going. I'm going to have the route planned out. I'm going to see all of the landmarks along the way. I'm going to know exactly the distance I'm going to go and when I'm going to arrive. It doesn't work that way with God. He just says go. And that drives me crazy. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And what? He shall direct your paths. Not path. Paths. Plural. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct your paths. I run across this little story that I think is so applicable for this moment. A gentleman by the name of Cliff Schimmels shares this story that I feel will, will help us at this point. He says, when I was young, my dad had a team of horses. One day he said to me, son, would you like to drive? So he said, I took the reins. Oh, I was in control. Oh, there's something about that being in control. I was driving. But the plodding along bothered me. So he says, it was too slow. Boy, have we ever been there. So he says, I clucked the horses, you know, slapped them reins down in the back. I can't hardly do it now, my mouth's dry, but. So he clucked the horses along and they began to trot. That's kind of neat. They pick up speed and, oh boy, it's getting good. You know, I, I, I stuck pause on the story for just a moment. They're pretty smart. Remember one time I was breaking a quarter horse. He'd come out of the range at Texas. And he hadn't been around humans at all. And it took me some time to finally get him where I could approach him and get on him. And we went through a process. He either got out in the lake and got on him, let him buck till they, till they got tired and weary or get him out of plow. Anyway, he went through all that. But one day I'm still working with him, and he's still young, two-year-old. Two he figured out if he took off running real hard and he got out under the trees where the branches just cleared his head, he could rid himself of a rider. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. They learn that. I don't know where they go to school to find that out, but they learn that. That horse liked it killed me. I couldn't turn him. I was pulling his head with everything I had. He just kept running the straight. His head turned clear around where I could see his eyes. He was still running the straight line as hard as he could go. He knew he had me and had me good. Anyway, back to the story. So he said he clucked the horses along and they began to trot. And when Babe and Blue, ah, that's a good name for a team of horses too, Babe and Blue, they came up with a better idea. They decided that if they ran, we would get home faster. They'll figure that out, too. You let the barn get in sight, you better be ready for a ride if you don't have control of that horse. 
soon they were running so fast, fast as I have ever seen horses run, he goes on. And as the prairie dog holes whizzed by, I concluded that we were in a dangerous situation. So he said, I tried my best to slow down the runaway team. I tugged on the reins until my hands cramped. I cried and I pleaded, but nothing worked. Old Babe and Old Blue, they just kept right on running as hard as they could run. He said, I glanced over at my dad and he was just sitting there watching the world go by. My dad had been over there going, you slow these. No, I'm just kidding. He said, by now I was frantic. My hands were cut from the reins, tears streaming down my face, frozen from the winter cold. Finally, in desperation, he said, I turned to my dad and said, here, you take the reins. I don't want to drive anymore. I said all of that to tell you it's time we hand him the reins. Say, here, I'm done driving. I see these license plates and these bumper stickers on the car. It says, God's my co-pilot. I like to tear them off. God isn't my co-pilot. I, I handed him the stick and said, here, you drive. Because I'll mess it up. as the musicians make their way. Regardless of how old we get or how capable we think we are, there's always that moment when the only way out is to turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, here, you take the reins. I don't want to drive anymore. I don't want to drive, but I do want to place it in his hands and follow his direction. And he will, but we must give him the reins. If we try to control it, we'll mess it up. We'll be just like that little boy, and we won't be able to get her slowed down. Isaiah said to Israel, and I close with this, as you stand, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Giving birth is a difficult time. It's a time of uneasiness. It's a time of uncertainty. I'll never forget when our youngest son was born. Back in those days, you got to a certain point in the birth process and they run the fathers out of the room. Thank you.
thank the Lord. After they had run me out of the room, I noticed in just a few moments, down the hall I could see in the delivery, there was a lot of scurrying around. I knew something went right. Doctors running in and out, nurses running in and out of my wife's delivery room. while after my time of panic all I needed to do was pray the nurse came out said pastor we've had a little difficulty but we think it's going to be alright said your son was stillborn said it took us a while to get him going to the extent of what if any damage was done, we don't know. Difficult time. Giving birth is a difficult time. He goes on to say, shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery? Say this, says the Lord. Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb? Says your God. He's telling Israel, we will deliver. You will give birth. He's telling High Point Church this morning that he will, he will accomplish what he has set out to accomplish.